0: Welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the wild and wacky world of tabletop gaming that we are currently in. It has been said on this podcast many, many times that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are so many good games out there that we can spend our time and our hobby dollars on. It's sometimes, it's hard to know what we should be playing. Uh, You know, I at least feel like I might be missing something. There's so many good games out there. Uh, and so this is the podcast that really explores some of the games that either I've been playing or my guests have been playing. Um, talk about the things that we like and the things that we don't like, uh, and talk about industry events. Uh, just so uh, you, the listener, can get an idea of you know some of the things that are out there at the moment and some of the things you might be interested in. Now, this episode is going back to a game that I've been playing. Uh, off and on, offline, um, and I'm looking forward to playing a lot more of In the Future. It, of course, is Star Wars Legion. The intro music probably was a giveaway. Now, uh, I am not an expert on this, although I do like to keep up with all of the articles that FFG drops, and I like to keep up with the social media groups, and I have been playing with some of the new units, oftentimes with spoiled cards before things come out. But I thought that to, to really do this game justice, uh, we should have someone on who knows a lot more about it than me. Now, uh, if you are an old WWPD uh, fan, uh, or an old Bolt Action fan, you will definitely know this man's name. Um, he is old school, like me, and I am really looking forward to having him on to talk about Star Wars Legion and all the things he's been doing with it because the man is prolific but I think uh, we should leave him breathing in the background no longer Uh, you can find this man on any of the Star Wars Legion groups and you can find him on his own page tabletop history of course I am talking about the one and only John Brader John how you doing man
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having
0: me. Thank you for coming on. Now, John, before we go any further, I think uh, some of the folks might want to know a little bit more about you. uh, Besides the fact that you were the guy who came first on the second day of Nova uh, Open this year in Star Wars Legion. So you were traditionally more of a historical war gamer or have you sort of always been a jack of all trades?
1: So when I when I got into gaming, it was really almost primarily focused on in, on historicals. Mm. You know, I, I started with Flames of War. Uh, I eventually moved on to Bold Action. Mm-hmm. You know, I've played some other miniatures games. Uh, you know, that that don't fall into the historic genre like Guild Ball, but. Uh, um, you know lately, the new shiny for me is is Star Wars Legion, mm-hmm. and you know one of the one of the reasons for it is that it's it's the game that I always wanted. It's the game that I wanted when I was a kid that, yep. that they didn't have, and um, you know I think it takes it takes a lot of the historic gaming rule sets, trims them, keeps what's good, throws away what's bad, and you know you're left with a pretty streamlined and effective game,
0: yeah. That's I, I could not agree more about the way the game plays. Um, it seems to cherry pick some of the best of a lot of game systems, and as you say, it leaves a lot of the chaff behind that might slow it down. Um, and you're left with you know a short, punchy game that um, is relatively easy to pick up, but um, I would say has a lot of depth. Would you agree?
1: I do agree, and with the with the number of units that are coming out and the variability. Uh, you know the options for for building lists is getting better and better, and one of the things that I think that keeps this game really p- balanced, at least for now. I mean, it's only been out for what six eight months, but mm. it remains balanced. I think because of what we call turn zero,
0: mm.
1: and having to you know having to show up and not know exactly what the mission's going to be, what the setup's going to be, the deployment. And, and what the battlefield conditions are going to be, it, it forces you to bring a force that can handle just about anything.
0: Right. It really helps to cut down on sometimes what do we call it? like alpha strike lists or lists in other game systems that might be the rock to someone else's scissors. Sure, there's a little of that, but um, it's far less the case than, say, 40K where you might show up, set up your army, and go, oh, I don't have a chance of winning against this. I, I just haven't heard that being the case in Legion.
1: And, and I don't think it is. I mean, I, I have faced so many different kinds of lists. I have won with different kinds of lists. I've lost with different kinds of lists. So, you know, I, I really do think it's, it's balanced. It's, uh, it's very well balanced. And when you get two people that are of a similar level of experience and competitiveness, uh, it, it, every single game seems to be very tight.
0: Absolutely. Well, let's, before we get too far into Legion, let's talk about your page a little bit. Now, back in the day, you wrote uh, a couple articles for WWPD back when we were bolt action.net um, about basing and um, modeling in general. But um, now you have a page of your own and you are doing commission painting and terrain work. Um, and flipping through your page, um, which on Facebook, if you're looking, is tabletop. History, if you look that up, tabletop's one word, is the second word, and your logo is a, that's either an MG42 German machine gun, or that's a Stormtrooper <laughs> DLT, and I think it's the DLT, um, crossed with a, with a sword. And of course, if you flip through there, there's a ton of Legion painting in there. And some well,
1: yeah. Late, lately, it's mostly Legion because I've got a I've got a giant Legion commission that I'm painting, as well as all of my own stuff.
0: Yeah. Yep. And I can't help but notice that you have T-shirts as well that people have been wearing out in events.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, I, I have uh, I have one great advantage, and that's my wife's a print broker. Oh. So. So she's able to help with things like logo designs and printing and embroidering and all those sorts of stuff. So, so getting, getting tabletop history branded was uh, was a little bit easier for me, I think than some people.
0: Right on now. A good part of your, I think, success as a gamer um, is the fact that you play a lot of games. And I think you're able to do that because you are in the D.C., Virginia area and you have a really strong community around you. Maybe not Legion specific, uh, but I think it's also Legion specific, but gaming in general. Like you play at Huzzah Hobbies, which has always been sort of a big deal. um, And you just play around with a lot of folks, don't you?
1: I do, and you know, the the Northern Virginia area is is really ripe for gaming. And you know, when Huzzah Hobbies opened up, they they really filled a hole that was you know there was just nothing here.
0: Mm.
1: And you know, it, we're fortunate to have a, a store that first off has a ton of product on the shelf, and it has you know a huge board game and card game area. But then in the back there are uh, I don't know, somewhere along the lines of 16 or so, uh, tables, you know, that are counter height. They're all six foot by four foot or bigger. Awesome. And, uh, you know, and every table has terrain underneath it that you can use. And, and, you know, the store owner is, is really all about creating an environment for people to play as well as buy.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so key. And, and I mean, and they must run regular events as well, right?
1: Well, yeah, yeah there's, there's regular events there for, for every kind of gaming system you can think of. As a matter of fact, they've kind of started to break it down into evenings. You know, like Thursday night has always been traditionally history night. Mm-hmm. And so you'd find everything there from from Pirates to World War II and, and now Star Wars because, you know, it was from a long, long time ago.
0: That's right. True historicals. So, yeah. Yeah. That was what uh, was a Dano's joke from back in the day um, on Bolt action radio it was always uh, Star Wars is true historicals because it was a galaxy far, far away, and I can hear that uh, your little friend is saying hi in the background.
1: Oh, you can pick that up. yeah, sorry, I've got a talking cat that likes to come down to the studio.
0: Nothing wrong with that, man. Nothing wrong with that. I got my pup on my knee, so I know the feeling. Well, all right, um now. Your crew at Huzzah has done very well at Nova this year. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, um, I guess, the Nova Open for a little bit for those who aren't familiar, um, and then how your crew did? Because it's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, so it was, it was kind of a, a wild uh, event for, for Legion, um, you know for anybody that's not familiar the Nova open it's it takes place every year it's on Labor Day weekend out here in uh, in Virginia It's always down in Crystal City Virginia mm-hmm. uh, it's at it's at the Hyatt it's a great venue and uh, boy I've been going to the Nova open for probably five or six years and I'll tell you what it's not like any other Uh, wargaming convention that I've been to you know you go into some of the ballrooms and the the halls are enormous and there's just table after table after table especially especially 40k Um, but you know they've been branching out they've they've started having more and more game systems coming in and uh, it's a great it's a great convention to get to
0: I hear that they had—I I always heard uh, Nova associated with a strong X-Wing uh, event. Um, a lot of people would get ready and go to travel for that, which kind of made me wonder if it would be a big event for Legion, given um, FFG's presence at Nova.
1: Yeah, Well, you know, I don't know. I, I never played X-Wing competitively. Mm. Uh, they, they, had a, they had a huge presence there. This time, because the hall that Legion was in was shared by X Wing, and so I guess it was the last X Wing 1.0 major yeah, tournament. I heard that. Uh, I might be speaking out of turn there, but uh, no, you
0: definitely right. lost. Yeah, it was the, the last, I believe.
1: And uh, and then you know, right next to it was was the Legion Maximum Firepower qualifiers, and oh. those were Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and. Uh, I had, I had managed to get a ticket for, for Friday and Saturday. I had been on the wait list. I was, I was first person on the wait list on all three days and, uh, people had started dropping. So I got contacted about three weeks out or so and, and asked if I wanted it. So I grabbed Friday and Saturday's slot mm-hmm. and, um, I ended up only playing Friday uh, because, because after Friday's results, I decided that, uh, A, I was exhausted yeah. and, and, and B, you know, if there was somebody still on the waiting list, you know, they should, they should take a spot.
0: Totally. And plus it's kind of hard to beat what you did on Friday.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so I yeah, I ended up, I ended up winning on Friday. I, I played some absolutely fantastic opponents, um, you know, every single game was close mm-hmm. and, you know, and it was there was a lot of sportsmanship. You know, I mean, I've heard horror stories about, you know, major tournaments like this and and, you know, people chucking dice. and oh, yeah. Rage quitting and all that. But, you know, the Legion community is not there. They, you know, everybody that I played was awesome. And, you know, even, you know, even my opponents that, that, you know, they didn't they weren't victorious that day. They were like, oh, that was a great game. You know, even though you yeah. know, it came down to the wire and they lost. But, uh, well, it yeah, comes, so it, it was good.
0: Yeah, it comes down to having fun and not just, you know, curb taunting people. I've been listening to some interviews on some other podcasts with some of the other winners on other days. And they all said the same thing. They all said that um, the community was just... Really welcoming, really accepting of everyone. You know, because there were people playing at all sort of levels of the hobby, as far as there were some people that had just come out to play maybe for the first time. Um, And, you know, they played on their dining room table, but they hadn't ever played in an organized event. And so they weren't sure what to bring. Um, And it's often, you know, in the nicest way possible, it's either the brand new people or the people that are kind of trying to win that have been playing forever that can bring the. If I may controversially say, the most abusive lists, um, but it it doesn't or attitudes, and it doesn't sound like that was the case at all with this event. Everyone sort of came with the attitude of, "Hey, we're a community. Let's build this thing. Um, let's have a good time, uh, and let's see where it goes." And I think I just think that's amazing for a game system that had such buy-in, like uh, Legion did, um, just to see that. Happen right out the gate is i think he's really positive for the scene in general
1: yeah i agree and and i hope that um you know anybody that was on the fence about you know going to a major competition like that will you know jump in and try the next time because it, it really was a, a welcoming kind of event
0: nice that's awesome, man. Now, your list, um, I've heard people talk about your list on other podcasts, and they, they've they said two things. One, your list was somewhat meta, quote unquote, and it was, you included things that were completely not meta. So let's talk about what was in your list. Um, so, John, what what did you take to Nova this year?
1: I mean, I, I, I took, you know, I, I was running Imperials, mm-hmm. so I didn't have a whole lot of options. Right. Um, you know, because of what was out at the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, I took Veer's triple bikes um, and uh, four squads of stormtroopers, one squad of snowtroopers. Uh, you know, it, in my opinion, it was a pretty basic list. Yeah. But I know everybody's all upset because I took two squads with rocket launchers
0: yeah exactly uh, right' ever but that isn't, <laughs> but that isn't efficient John um I love that everyone's like the I think that's one thing that uh, listening to legion podcasts I get a little twitchy about is is just i think maybe it's a holdover from uh, x wing, but people like I have never heard podcasts get into the math as much as I have listening to legion podcasts. a couple in particular are like, well, the efficiency of this unit is, and you know I don't mean to disparage but God, man! What does Han say? Don't tell me the odds. Um, now, now you took rocket launchers, which are considered to be too expensive for what they do in some cases. Um, and how did you find them?
1: Well, okay. So the reason I took them was at my local meta,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: was facing a lot of ATRTs. Yeah, and going in without something that I could at least. You know, outrange them or, mm-hmm. or or match their range if they're running laser cannon, right? Um, and and be able to have some impact. It 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 gave me some flexibility, um, and I'm not at all adverse uh, turning the rocket launchers onto an infantry unit either. So totally, you know, with with Veers, you know, if you keep them close, he gives you you know one. Um, Uh, uh, Now I forget the name of the the action, but one reset Mm -hmm. of your of your rocket launchers. And, you know, really what I try to do with those units is to get them into position and set them there. And I can if I choose, I can reset that rocket launcher if I'm if I don't have to move. Right. And, you know, I'm typically getting three or four shots off per game. And, you know, I don't know if it was the right thing to take or not. One of the things that I don't know if your listeners know about me or care about me, Mm -hmm. but I'm a painter first. Right. You know, gaming is, you know, I like to do it because it's social and, you know, I get to play with my toys. So, you know, I may not be the right person to sit around and talk about the... The statistics of each individual unit and how they work. Mm. You know, I ran what works for me, right? And what I knew would give me the flexibility.
0: Well, I think that is really important because I, I, I kind of knew that about you, but uh, it's the you wanted to take some stuff because you a you thought you needed that in your list, and b because you wanted to paint it, um, having talking, having you know read some of your online posts, and it worked well for you. I don't think it necessarily. I think sometimes um, folks focus on the efficiencies of individual units rather than looking at the army as a whole. And I think that your army, you you saw a hole that needed plugging. And sure, that the the block for that hole may be a little bit more expensive than some other weapon options, but you weren't afraid to go stick it in there. And guess what? It worked. Um, So I think that that is a lesson that we can all learn from, that... You know, it it's more about um, the list as a whole than it is about the individual pieces. If that makes sense?
1: No, it does. And and as a matter of fact, you know, one of the one of the guys I regularly play with, Gordon Chase. You know, he and I um, both come out of the bold action world, mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that we've discussed is, you know, approaching this as if you're bringing a german infantry unit or an american infantry unit it, it is it's it's the whole package what does each in, individual unit contribute to the whole and how do you make that work and right. and you know i apply the same thing to legion
0: yeah i mean it it that's sort of one of those things that you should apply to wargaming as a whole i think and i i think i even picked that up from 40k more than i did for from bolt action and i brought it over it was that idea that you have um certain units that will help you get where you need to go um even if people look at those units sometimes you know cockeyed and say why is that there that that isn't good and you go yeah it may not be great but it is what this list needs to synergize and to make sense
1: yeah So, so here's the irony, though, of bringing that list. And the reason I brought that list was because of all the ATRTs. Yeah. And I end up not facing a single one.
0: <laughs> Murphy's Law.
1: So uh, every, list, every list that I faced was an Imperial list. Mm-hmm. Um, I did face a double ATST list Ooh. which uh, in, in the opening round. And I realized right away that I don't have the firepower to deal with this. So I just ignored them to the best of my ability and, mm-hmm. and stayed out of their way.
0: Now, did you find that the Rockets were, uh, you know, as you say, you you didn't necessarily have enough Rockets for that situation. But um, do you think that, um, I don't know, they were good? And I I would say that, um, you know, so you just ignore them completely or did you try and take one down or sort of focus out? Or did you just say, no, even though I've got the Rockets, I'm not touching these?
1: The ATSTs couldn't score any points. I ignored them completely. Mm -hmm. I, I focused all the firepower on the troops.
0: Nice. Now, are you able to, in a situation like that, because ATSDs have the reputation for, and again, it depends on how, you, how they're kitted out, um, to being horrific weapons platforms that can just level, you know, half an army a turn or, you know, take squads off almost wholesale or just apply suppression all over the place. Um, if, can't, I mean, can you, do you have any good tips for avoiding ATSDs for those who look at them and think, ah, that's scary?
1: i mean it, it all depends on the on the board that you're playing That's and true. you know that that opening round was on one of the Hoth boards and I don't know if you've seen the photographs from the nova open but I have. but the Hoff, the Hoth board was one of the ones that was highlighted as not having a whole lot of terrain yeah and um for whatever reason on on the second day of the event which is the day that I played um they had moved the terrain around and there ended up being this this giant cliff structure dead center of the table. And it provided me a lot of line of sight blocking. And I just used it to, to stay away from the ATSTs as much as possible. Now, I mean, it's not like they weren't effective, you know, in the third game, I actually faced an ATST and it, uh, it mortared my snowtroopers first turn and they were still too close to the edge and they walked off. Ooh. Before I even got to do anything with them. So, Ouch. you know, yeah.
0: Yeah. That is one thing I keep forgetting about Legion. Um, as a longtime bolt action player, if you fail and your guys run, um, for example, if you fail a Fubar test, your guys will stop at the edge of the board. Man, they don't stop in Legion. There you go. That is right. Yeah. Nope. Yep. Well, cool. Um, Well, let's talk about some of your games then. So clearly you play against three Imperials, and you had played against two ATSCs in the first game and one in the last game. Um, What were some of your takeaways for the event? Did did you have any great standout moments? Did any of the games jump out at you as great learning opportunities, or was it sort of a reconfirmation of things that you think you've learned from playing casually?
1: Um... You know, there, there there was a couple takeaways. I mean, probably the big takeaway that I actually learned watching what happened at Gen Con was, you know, key positions and the blue player bid. Hmm. Um, so I went in. I think I had a seven point bid, seven or eight point bid. Um, I don't even have my list in front of me. But uh, I, had a, I had a low enough bid that I was blue player each of the three rounds. Right. And in round two, I ended up with key positions. The way the terrain was set up, it was very much to my advantage. I took advantage of it. you know. Um, I, I was asked on another interview recently about key positions, and I'll tell you the same thing. I think it's broken. I think the way it plays now is, is not a good tournament game. Mm. But uh, with a little bit of tweaking, I think it could be um however what i wanted to bring up and the reason i brought up key position is in game three i also pulled key positions mm. and i had a I had a nice big piece of terrain right next to me right next to my deployment zone that i was able to take and i began to hold it and my opponent was very good knew exactly what he was doing and he sent vader and snowtroopers to my piece of terrain to start hassling me. And it came down to me just having to to make the decision of of giving up the easy to take terrain, mm-hmm. crossing the board and then taking his. And that's what I ended up doing. So, you know, I mean as as much as people say key positions is broken including me, um a good opponent can force you to uh to leave your easily, you know, held pieces of terrain to go get another one and, and that's what i had to do um that game was probably the closest legion game i've ever played it literally came down to general veers standing up on top of the of the uh key position
0: mm-hmm. and
1: shooting the one last stormtrooper that would have tied the game
0: oh man
1: and that's what it came down to so it was it was a great game and uh but I was forced to go, I was forced to march all the way across the board and take uh, my, what, what what was my opponent's key position.
0: Meanwhile, the opponent has an ATST with a mortar. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, that doesn't sound uh, th- like the easiest job in the world. But yeah, I can definitely see what you mean by uh, key positions. Uh, now, we we did say earlier, and I think we should probably mention for the listeners, um, that for those who haven't been following the Nova coverage, um, John mentioned earlier that he was limited by what has been out. Now, for those paying attention, they'll know that, for example, Han Solo, the Commandos, Boba Fett, and the Scout Troopers are all out now, uh, and they may wonder why John didn't take those in his list. Well, FFG has said that they, I think it's two weeks or 11 days or something like that. Um, Things need to be out for a certain period of time before um, major events um, in order to be included in them. So people have an opportunity to get their heads around them before, you know, they face them in an event. Now, that's great and all. Except in a game like, um, and I actually, I, I like that. I know Games Workshop used to do that with grand tournaments. I think it really does give people an opportunity to, uh, if you are looking to play competitively, to stay on top of things, is to be able to play a couple games against them rather than facing them in an event and say, what well, now, what does that do? Um, but uh, it, it does mean in a game like Legion, where the. The release schedule has been a little uh, slow. Um, It it means that, especially in earlier events, uh, like Gen Con, as John mentioned earlier, uh, it really sort of limits what can be seen on the tabletop. Um, So, John, I know that your list was very limited Um, by what units were available. Um, I know now, of course, if you were playing Imperials, um, you have Boba Fett out there, um, the Scout Troopers, and very shortly you'll have the E-Web Blaster. Um, Given your list for Nova, um, would you add the new units or anything that's really jumping out at you? I know you've been painting some of this stuff.
1: Yeah, well, you know... um... I've been playing uh some of the folks up at the store, especially Matt Dunn, who was one of the other winners from mm. from nova open and uh, and he's been running commandos and han and and you know being his opponent and watching what the snipers can do, watching what the saboteurs can do mm-hmm. you know it's it's really it's really got my uh my appetite going for for doing the same um you know i'm i'm I am i i do not know what the meta is gonna look like uh, come Adepticon. Mm -hmm. So I haven't even, you know, I haven't even really started to think about a list for that yet, but, uh, you know, actually since Nova though, I will tell you that I have not run Veers triple bikes again. I've been out, I've been playing with my ATST. I've been playing with Vader, uh, this week, um, I'm going to run Vader and Boba on Thursday night, uh, just to test them out together. Yeah. That's a
0: lot of points. (laughs)
1: It is. It's a lot of points, but you know, I think I'm going to get. Uh, I think I'm going to get Vader and Boba and and five squads of stormtroopers, yeah. and maybe a scout sniper or something. But um, yeah, I, it's it's all about experimenting. And you know, one of the, one of the great things about again, you mentioned the the Northern Virginia area is you know there there's a little bit of a hotbed right now for Legion, and, and so you know, with a few of us that that did well at Nova open all being in the same area, you know, we're able to, to bring out lists, try them against each other and, you know, have friendly opponents that, you know, that afterwards we can talk about what worked, what didn't work, right. You know, how they would have run it instead or, and those sorts of things. So um, yeah, so this, this week will be just an experimental list for me to, to try out.
0: Yeah, if, if I can tangent slightly on that and come back to what you just said, John. I've been listening a lot to a podcast called um, The Honest Wargamer, and it's an Age of Sigmar podcast. They do 40K as well, but I listen to their Age of Sigmar stuff. And they've really been advocating for uh, people playing a particular, and of course this is Age of Sigmar, in a, in a game where there's a ton of different factions that you can play. Um, the, the lead host has been saying that, you know, we as war gamers have gotten a little lazy, um, in the way that we play. I don't think that's, he didn't say it like that, but he says that when something doesn't work the first time, our immediate thought is to change it. Our immediate thought is to go, oh, that, that unit didn't work in this game. Let me replace it with something else. Let me find the more efficient option. Let me find the thing that works better for my list. Um, And that is um, his challenge to people is let's change that. Let's play the same army for 12 months. Now, of course, in Legion, there's only two armies. So um, and I know, for example, if we listen to the, um, the Legion Outriders podcast two of the three hosts only play one army and they recently switched and they learned a lot from playing the other person's army, but they are continuing to play in those specific factions and they know more about their list. Um, While I kind of agree with what um, Rob, the host of um, An Honest Wargamer, is saying about stick with an army, and I think that works better for Age of Sigmar, um, from my personal experience going back, having a group of people that you can get together with and have those conversations, like you were saying, I think that has been the most valuable, um, especially when I was playing competitively. I played competitive 40K for years, but I didn't get good until I had that group and we would set up and play and set up and play. And sometimes you would get to halfway through a game and go, all right, we need to re-rack and go back. And other times you would go back and say, all right, rather than re-racking, let's try and figure out how the losing player can get what they need to do. And both players would then try and play on on the side of the losing player to try and reason out Reason your way out of those situations. And it's those post game conversations. It's that conversation mid game. Well, this is a total pickle. And it's not the who's going to win and lose this game now. It's seen as more practice for how you can improve yourself for the future, if that makes sense. Um, and I think having that group is huge. Um, and man, I, I can see why, if you have a group like that, why you probably did so well at Nova, only because you're having those critical conversations and you're hearing other people's voices besides the one in your own head, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think you're absolutely right. You know, we, we we do have those conversations. And, you know, the, the guys that I play with, um, you know, Gordon Chase and, and, and Matt Dunn, the, the other. So so you had mentioned early in the podcast that that Nova open or that we did well at Nova open. Yeah. Mm. So the three of us all play at who's, and we took first place on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's kind of great. You know, you're able to, you know, to practice for a coming up with people that are going to be there. Um, you know, but we, we, we play competitively, but you know, there's, there's nobody that's, you know, like I said, chucking dice or anything like that. And right. at the end of the game, it's like, Hey, you know, when you moved your snipers up so close, that might've been a mistake. Cause that's why I was able to take them out. So, he's, you know, those kind of conversations. And, uh, you know, I can tell you that, that, you know, Matt and I played a couple weeks ago and his snipers were kind of in the middle of the board and Vader came up and just wiped them out. And we talked about it afterwards and now Matt's got them set back a lot further. And they, they tore me to pieces last mm-hmm. week. So, you know, um, it's, it's those kind of conversations that I, that I do think makes a community better. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that we've decided to do here in in Northern Virginia is we, we started up a Facebook group uh, called Nova Troopers. And right now it's still pretty small, but uh, we're focusing on uh, uh, competitive players. Uh, and what we started off with was competitive players that got a bid to Adepticon. Mm-hmm and and now we're starting to we're starting to invite a few more people in from the, the local area but with with that exact intent in mind with you know we're going to we're going to work together we're going to make each other better mm-hmm. and um as opposed to you know you know some of these some of these game systems where you're you're tearing down your opponents and uh it, i don't i don't buy into that it's i don't want to play games like that i'm i'm too old to go out and not have a good time on a thursday night
0: amen so, yeah, man, I think that I think that nails it on the head. It's it's taking the game seriously. It's giving each other that feedback, but also at the same time, not um, not having fun, like having fun is the name of the game. And that is one of the things that is an integral discussion point for this podcast. But if you're not having fun, why are you doing this um, for glory? Uh, been there, done that. Not so great. <laughs> Wargaming is yeah. not a great place to get glory. But uh, I don't know. And anyway, again, community. And it sounds like you have a very strong uh, local community, and that you guys are tapping into the larger Legion community. Um, It it is funny how many of you I've heard on interviews recently, and yes, um, Nova Open was a big event, Um, it was the qualifier, of course, for nationals, and you guys have all qualified, um, and you're all getting ready for Adepticon, um, so there's a lot to talk about. But by doing that, you are tapping into the larger Legion community. And uh, I got to say, man, I'm, I'm really happy with the people. I mean, there was the initial massive buy-in. Tons of people bought Legion when it came out. And then, you know, with the dropping of um, Kill Team and the New Age of Sigmar and a bunch of other game systems that have sort of come out. Um, I've even heard someone say um, Fall, uh, Fallout Tactics, um, the Modifius game. Uh, People have been playing that instead, and I go, well, that came out of nowhere. But I guess it comes down to what you're passionate about. Um, There's been some drop-off for Legion, I think particularly because the units took a long time to come out. But now that we're getting units that sort of fill out the force organization chart to sort of steal um, the term from 40K, you're able to take a, a wider variety of units Um, you can take an all infantry list quite easily now that there are scouts and commandos out filling out other slots and you, are not just sort of limited with, well, you have three to five trooper slots and then you have to fill it out with vehicles or whatever else. I mean, there's, there's now more stuff and the leaders are so important to Legion and they really do change the character of your army. Um, I really feel that Legion's finding its sea legs and it's really coming together. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I would. And it's one of the things that we talk about locally here is, you know, we're trying to figure out how we take our our tight knit community and actually open it up and get more people in playing. Mm. So, you know, we've been kicking around the idea of having some, you know, for lack of a better word, a beginner's night and, you know, having people come in, whether they own the product or not, we'll bring armies, we'll set up, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll set up games on a three by three show you the mechanics, you know, walk you through a bigger game. Uh, So that's, that's on our near term list to, to kind of get that community kickstarted again. You know, the product is selling off the shelf. So there's there's local people that are buying it. And uh, it's just a matter, I think of, of getting people out and realizing how good of a game is in that box.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And buying it. I mean, really buying it in australia i know in melbourne there's been some conversation of not a lot of people are playing it here and yet when i go into the shops stuff is gone and it's not like oh i've heard a lot of people say oh but it's the restocks you're they're just not getting stuff in no we're getting stuff it's going onto the shelves and then it's walking off again so um as someone who worked in corporate sales for a while um specifically in the gaming industry somebody's buying that somebody's you know, doing something with that somewhere. Now, if someone is sitting on Smog's horde of stormtroopers um, and they're not doing anything with them, if you create that opportunity where people can play, they're going to want to play. Um, I sat on Gaslands um, because I didn't really have a lot of people to play against. Dave Monroe and I played for a long time, local guy. Um, But it was just the two of us. And then recently, a bunch of people sort of all said, hey, I've got the Gaslands rules, too. I heard you like this game. Can we get a game? And I said, well, so last Wednesday, I sort of threw it down and said, well, I'll bring the terrain. You guys just show up and we'll have a game. And gave everyone, just like you were saying, an opportunity to bring a couple cars, put them on the table. And we had, what, six players? And I think tonight we are going to repeat it, and we have eight. And so it's just giving people the opportunities to play with the toys they may already have, as you say. Um, and you give them that, that, that community um, and that opportunity to play. By the way, in case you're wondering, if you type Melbourne Gaslands and you happen to be in Melbourne and listening to this and you want to play some Gaslands, um, if you type that in, you'll find a page called the Melbourne Gaslands Collective um if you join that uh you can see all the games that we're playing in melbourne and if you would like to join in please do anyway um so i think as we said um when i was talking to tyler wallace um it is easier sometimes to build that community in the digital age um because you're able to reach out and find people but that does nothing if you don't actually get out and play some games right
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you look at the the number of people especially on the Facebook pages that are that are following pages, are contributing to pages, you know, it if all of those people were coming out to their local game stores and playing, the community would be huge. Agreed. Um, and that's what that's that's kind of what we're trying to to do locally is figure out how do we take the game that we love, the game that a few of us Know how to play, mm-hmm. and and get more people playing, and and um, you know, and just get them out, get them out to the store, um, and you know, teach them the rules, teach them some mechanics, teach them some strategy and some tactics, and and let them, you know, accelerate their learning, if you will.
0: Absolutely. So that, I mean,
1: it's good for us too. We have more opponents if you do that. So.
0: Mm-hmm. And man, some of those opponents, uh, I know there's the the attitude in some game systems when people are coming out like, oh, they're a noob, you know, I don't want to necessarily play them and teach, have, teach people how to do it, it takes time, it takes effort, blah, blah, blah. But man, as seen in some of the local bolt action events that we've been having, some of those new players are winning events. Um, it, just because they may be new to your game system doesn't mean they haven't been wargaming for a thousand years. Or are just naturally able to think through the situations on the tabletop and do really well um, some of those new players um, can absolutely change the face of a gaming group in a in a very positive manner if you just give those people an opportunity right
1: Oh absolutely you know and and legion, you know again, because it's still relatively new and not all the units have been released yet, and there isn't a an overwhelming meta. That that you know th- this is the only thing you can bring and win every game with it, right? Because none of those things are because that's not there. You can bring a new person in, and you know that new person is like, I want to run Vader. Okay, well we'll run him, and I'll sh- you know we'll show you how he can be effective. Uh, you know I want to run two ATSTs. All right, we'll you know we'll make it work exactly. Um, and 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 the game is still at that point that you can win. I think with most any list
0: listening to some of the efficiency people talk about the units in the game mathematically I I was kind of impressed to hear that every unit in the game bar possibly one um, quote unquote works um, that everything in the game you know can work on the tabletop well which of course makes me naturally want to take uh, a land speeder in my list but um, you know I, I, one of the things that was Alex Davies said the one of the writers of the game, is that when they play tested everything, they really went out of their way to make sure that things were balanced that you didn't get that that codex creep, so to speak, where the new thing would make old things uh, unplayable, and I think they've done a pretty good job of um, differentiating the units to give things their own flavor and character while simultaneously you know generally balancing things pretty well um. But one of the things that was mentioned as a throwaway line, and someone talked about quite a bit on a recent podcast, is when they when they play tested this game, they play tested it as a whole. That includes everything that ca- that was out for the Galactic uh, Struggle, the the current phase of the game before we get into the Clone Wars. But they played it all together, so that includes everything that isn't out or hasn't even been teased yet. So things like the um, the land speeder. They may balance beautifully once everything comes out. It just so happens that it may have been before its time. Um, And it it really does give me hope for all of the stuff that A, isn't out yet, or B, we haven't even heard of yet. That, um, you know, I would love to see some Death Troopers. I would love to see Krennic. I mean, we all have our wish list for Legion um, because we all love... Star Wars and the, the units that are in it. Um, I know someone was complaining the other day to me that, oh, that the new uh, laser cannon for the Rebels has Hoth crew. That doesn't match any of the other Rebels stuff. Why would they do that? Well, it could be that we're getting Hoth troopers soon. Uh, who knows? It could be interesting. I mean, I love snowtroopers, and I got a bunch of them, and I can't wait to put them on the table. Um, and if the E-Web blaster didn't have snowtrooper crew, man, it would when I was done with it. So... Um, I don't know. Uh, is what I'm saying resonating, John?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm not aware of, of all the playtesting that they did, like you're talking about. But, you know, the, the balance is definitely there. I, I think what, what's interesting, though, um, about what you said about the old stuff not becoming obsolete mm. is, you know, since, since Nova Open, I have gone back to running a list that you could only really run out of the first wave. Right. And you know, I'm running Vader and I'm running stormtroopers and an ATST and I'm having fun with it. And it's it's competitive with with lists that have commandos in them and snipers mm-hmm. and saboteurs and Han and you know, so it, it, there is there's a balance there. What I think is is really refreshing about the game is going back to those old units. With a little bit more experience, a little bit better understanding of how the game works and what things do well and what things do poorly, and you know, being effective with them again. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's what's really exciting. You know, when, when I first when I first played Legion, the first couple games I played, I ran speeder bikes and I was like, these things suck. Yeah. You know, they're 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 glass cannons. They're terrible take them away. And so, so for a while I didn't run any speeder bikes. And then one day I was like, I wonder what happens if I put six on a table mm-hmm. and, and that was, and that was before, you know, you started hearing everything about triple bikes and all that. And so, so I ran, I was like, Oh, <laughs> there's yeah. something here.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, man. And that gives me hope for uh, the, the two speeders list. Cause I'm like, Oh, one of them, not so great. I mean, I understand they're expensive, but if you run them in duplicates side by side, they're not so, you know, not so fragile anymore. Hmm. Well, you know, as as you said, when you were playing the dual ATSTs, you know, maybe in that first game, you could have dealt with one of them if there was one. But when there's two, you're like, no, nah, I'm just going to ignore them. Well, if people have a similar reaction to dual speeders, well, your speeders are getting away with murder.
1: Yeah, they're a little too fast to ignore. They, they can be too many places too quickly. Yeah.
0: And I think it does take some experience with them, um, given the compulsory move, to really get your head around how they get around the tabletop. And that funny little rule interaction where if you get stuck on a barrier and you're the speeder, you can actually hurt yourself, which, uh, you know, I think uh, hopefully they'll FAQ at some point, given, um, you know, just, how ha- you know, the, the fluff. But, you know, if that's the one little rule interaction that gets up your nose, I think the game's doing pretty good. Um, yeah, I, okay, so I've been running an E-Web in my last couple of games, um, and be going off of the spoiled cards, and I've really enjoyed having that in my list, um, I haven't tried the Scouts, I haven't tried Boba Fett, haven't tried Han, haven't tried the Commandos, but, uh, my friend Drew and I played some games, and I, I took an E-Web Blaster, and it was, it was a lot of fun, and it was great to have that static, Long-range reach for the Imperials, like you were talking about adding the rockets to your list to get, um, you know, the ability to um, reach out and touch someone at range, which the Imperials without an ATSD can sometimes struggle to do. Um, but having that eWeb, even though it was fairly static, um, I thought was great. And so the list I'm building has a bunch of Snowtroopers, which are traditionally closer range troops um because they're relatively slow and they carry around the flamethrowers um but then you balance that with a couple e-webs and all of a sudden you know you've got these long distance cannons in the background and because it's got the crew for a snowtrooper already built on the model it's kind of like it was built that way um and i, I think that really balances nicely and I'm surprised no one's talked about that as a nice combo with the stormtroopers on other podcasts yet. I think they marry up pretty nicely. Um, have you messed around with a lot of snowtroopers? I know you you've taken a squad. Have you taken like a, a snowtrooper heavy list? Because that's definitely my next wheelhouse.
1: No, I, I've uh, the most I've ever run is a single a single squad with a flamethrower. Yeah, and. Um, You know, I, I use them for very specific tactics and, uh, you know, about 25% of the time it works. Yeah. (laughs) So, and it's glorious. It's, it's, yeah, it is. And, 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 um, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough unit to run effectively, but Mm -hmm. when it does work, it, it really works. Um, I don't know what would happen if I put multiples on the board. I haven't tried I'm kind of a stickler for you know. I try to only run stuff that's painted. Um, yeah. You know, this week's going to be an exception because I've only got Boba partway done, but uh, and and I and I only have one snow Troopers painted that are mine. So, you know, I've been trying to balance getting my stuff done with uh, with the commission work. Yeah. That's why I that's why I haven't run any Rebels yet. My Rebels are all still half painted.
0: Ah. Yeah, uh, I was able to get a good friend of the show, Patch, to give me a hand with uh, my rebels, and the man's a painting tornado, so he's actually painted up uh, an astonishing number of rebel units for me, so that's what we've generally been playing with, but my regular partner, Drew, um, has the core game and a few bonus units, like a speeder and a few other things, but... So between the two of us, we have rebels, painted rebels coming out of the yin-yang, but painted imperials, we're a little on the light side at the moment. So um, I think I need to up my game and paint a couple of uh, imperial units so that when we play collectively, we have full armies for both. And then, I mean, of course, eventually we'll have full armies for both. And I have a fully painted rebel list, but... um, You know, Drew's done some pretty wacky stuff like drilling out the lightsabers and putting in LED lights and adding LED lights to his beautiful land speeder. So the lasers in the front are shooting. Um, And we were playing and he was looking at one of my terrain pieces, this giant laser turret, um, turbo laser turret that the lovely Pete West painted for me. uh, Sorry, um, printed for me. And I was thinking, yeah, this is great. Um, You know, looks totally good. I love it. And Drew's like, you know what you could add to that to make it even better? lasers and he added uh you know the led lasers to the turbo laser turret that light up and do the whole thing and and that's a level of hobby that is a little bit beyond me right now but um just to see people's creativity is fantastic but um yeah we also are trying to keep to just painted models um i think it really if you are demoing the game in public or you're just playing in public um where people are coming by Um, You know, nothing looks sort of worse to me uh, than walking by a table with a bunch of, you know, gray, gray plastic and, you know, metal models when you could have beautifully painted models or even reasonably painted models on terrain. It looks beautiful. It it really helps sell the game.
1: It does. And, you know... (laughs) We love building up nice boards with with great looking terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the events that we run at the store. You know, that we did a tournament not too long ago. the, the terrain was fantastic. You know, we've got we had we had uh, we had six tables. Each one was a was a, was unique. And we had we had Tatooine. We had Endor. Nice. We had Hoth. You know, it was it, it was it was very thematic. You know, not not like. You know, some game systems that I've seen where it's, you know, I'm gonna put this piece of felt down here and that's woods. Yeah. And, <laughs> so um, you know, and, and, and I'm I'm such a Star Wars geek that, you know, finding stuff and building stuff mm-hmm. and kid bashing stuff is is just awesome. You know, I mean I've got uh I got a couple of U-wings that I'm working on. I just built an advanced tie fighter. I've got two millennium falcons, some A-wings. Nice. You know, and all that stuff gets out to the table, you know, whenever we can and and mix it up. So
0: uh, yeah, man. And it it's that being able to put the toys of our, and I, I've spoken about this on the G.I. Joe episode, but being able to put, you know, the toys um, from our childhood that we may have had or the things we wish we had and to be able to get those um, as adults really hits you in the in the feel goods uh, and in the nostalgia to, to be able to pull out, you know, I had Boba Fett as a kid. I loved Boba Fett as a kid, as a toy. I played with him all the time. And now I can have a far more dynamic Boba Fett. On the tabletop um, and actually, you know, play games with them again. Um, I love that. And I think this game is wonderful for that because um, Star Wars has always been, you know, it, it, I, when I say it's always been, uh, you know, a fairly inspiring thing in my life. I know I'm not alone. There's millions and millions of people that share that. But the fact that we can share that together through this game is fantastic. <sighs>
1: Yeah, I, it was. It's definitely you know a great thing to go back to your childhood. You know, I've got a, I've got my original nineteen seventy eight Millennium Falcon yep. that I had when I when I was a kid. You know, and my parents were more than happy to get it out of their basement yep. along with you know all the other. They're like, here, take all the Star Wars stuff and get it out. But, uh, yeah. yeah I dusted it off. It's in pristine condition. So uh, I, I don't want to touch that one. But I, yeah. I picked up a, a second Millennium Falcon that I'm actually gonna. Uh, paint and get ready for a nice piece of terrain.
0: Yeah, when we were waiting for Legion to drop um, I was home earlier this year and I picked up my Millennium Falcon from my parents' house also the same Falcon. Um, my Falcon didn't age as well as yours. Uh, mine's not in pristine condition. Um, I think mainly because I played with it too much. Um, and But I'm surprised on how many of the pieces were intact and I had, um, including the somewhat um, rare radar dish on the top and the guns. I have all that stuff. Um, I'm missing a few pieces to the loading ramp and things like that, but I was really shocked for that. Um, and uh, a good friend of the show, and I've mentioned him earlier, Dave Monroe, um, he was on his farm, and someone pointed out that someone had thrown an old Millennium Falcon toy into a tree um, randomly, and it happened to be one of the reprints of the original toy, and it had been sitting in the back of his shed for I don't know how long. And he was like, ah, oh, I see that you're messing around with updating a millennium Falcon. So I'll give you this one. And he gave me, and if that one's missing all of its pieces, but the basic frame was there. And by, by being able to take the two Falcons, um, I was able to do some kit bashing and I'm halfway through recutting it to be a YT, uh, 1300 generic freighter. So rather than having, you know, that sort of gooseneck cockpit off to the side, I've cut that out and used the replacement hull to seal the hull back up so it looks like almost a flying saucer with the mandibles coming out the front. And I've put the cockpit between the mandibles, um, which, um, you know, I was sitting in my class doing a reading conference with a kid one day and the kid pulled out the Star Wars book and it happened to be the. The technical manual for the Millennium Falcon, and I was looking at the picture of that ship and went, I want that. And so sacrilegiously I've been cutting mine up and rebuilding it that way. Can I just say that's a lot of work? And I'm it after two weeks of solid working on that, it's mostly cut and finished. I just need to reassemble it all. But God, I need a good school holiday like Christmas to sit down and do it. Um, and that doesn't even include painting something like that. Um, oh, I, I highly recommend that you avoid that, John.
1: Yeah, no, well, I'm not, I'm not going to touch the, the 1978 one, but I was able to score one of the, I guess it's a 2012 or something like that. The, mm. the, the Walmart exclusive.
0: Yes. The one, yeah. People talk about that scale. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I was able to score one of those. I found it all covered in dust in some hobby shop somewhere and and nice. uh, and picked it up for a song.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, Star Wars is like gold unless you're not into it. And then people just don't understand and just throw things away. And you go, this is amazing. Um, like I found that Millennium Falcon technical manual in the bottom of a, you know, a children's red book list pile that was about to be thrown away by my school. And I was like, no, 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 no. I will take that. Thank you very much. Um, and um, the kids in my class love it. It It, it is dogged. It is almost dead. Um, but that book has its own little rack and sits in the corner of my classroom. And two-thirds of the kids in my classroom have read that book at one point or another this year and gone, yeah, Star Wars. And you go, that's cool. And um, just watching kids' enthusiasm uh for the future of Star Wars really always gives me hope for the future. Um yeah, I don't know. Star Wars is such a positive uh you know message, I guess, that that good versus evil that, you know, when you look at some kids' things, you go, eh, not so sure about that. But you look at Star Wars and I don't know, maybe it's because it was part of my childhood, but uh it feels good. Feels right. Well John, I think uh we've sadly kind of reached the end of our time today, but I've really enjoyed talking shop with you and talking about the future of Legion. And I just, I'm excited about the future of this game and I'm looking forward to playing it a lot more. And I know you are too.
1: Yeah, I am. And thanks for having me on. And it was a good talk.
0: Well, brother, if people want to follow you, I mean, clearly, if you are on the Star Wars Legion main Facebook page, you will see John's stuff because he's always posting it. Um, And that is a good thing because the level of your hobby is fantastic. I love seeing your stuff. Um, You've definitely i (laughs) have on my phone right now. I think I have three pictures of your uh, units that I'm going to be using as a guide when I start painting my stuff. Um, Because, again, I'm about to start painting Imperials and you've painted a lot of them. Um, and I especially like the camo you've done recently for your rebels. Um, when you are, I guess I do have one more question for you when you're doing stuff like that, are you using, um, real life camo patterns or are you using this as an opportunity to sort of stretch your wings and go crazy? Or are you doing a little bit of both?
1: Um, uh, for the most part, I'm doing, I'm doing real life stuff. You know, the, uh, the rebels that I recently finished for uh, a commission, those are based on a 1944 German autumn oak leaf. Nice. And it's a little bit stylized, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's what, uh, that's where I pulled the inspiration from.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, Patch um, has recently painted mine, and I think he used, um, he sort of took an existing World War II um, camo scheme and then sort of turned it on its ear a little bit and played around with it, it being the far future. But it really Star Wars does sort of lend itself, especially I think, since so many of the weapons are blatantly World War Two weapons with a little bit of you know something glued on and spray painted black. That I always feel that association with World War Two and Star Wars. Don't know why, um, but yeah, it uh, thematically it matches, um, but. If people would like to see more of your stuff, if you go to Facebook and you look up tabletop history, again, tabletop, one word, history, second word, um, you will find John's page. Now, John, if people want to contact you, is that the best way or is there another means as well?
1: So you can definitely reach me through the Facebook page. Um, You can also go to the website, which is tabletophistory.com. Nice. That's all one word, tabletophistory. And uh, the email there is info at tabletophistory.com.
0: And if you have not been to this page to see John's stuff, I highly recommend you go over and check it out because I'm um, both for World War II, if you happen to be a bolt-action listener of this podcast, and for Star Wars Legion, there's great stuff for both games on there. So definitely, definitely check it out. Um, If you have feedback about this particular episode and you would like to give it to me instead of John, um, you can reach me by going to the Cast Dice podcast page, which if you go into Facebook and type in Cast Dice, C-A-S-T-D-I-C-E, you will find a page called the Lando Misfit Toys, um, the home of the Cast Dice podcast. That is my page. That is my hobby progress page. Um, If you contact that page, You will only get me, Um, and I do love getting feedback um, as being sort of a one-man show with a Skype connection who talks to people all over the world about different game systems. Uh, It's sometimes a little hard to get good feedback about how to improve this show or what people think is doing well. Um, I'm sort of in a vacuum. So I do appreciate those who have reached out, especially recently. There's been quite a few people sending me really nice feedback, um, things they like and things they think that I should cover or things that I could improve. And I have included those and I have been covering those. Case in point, we're doing an episode on Star Wars Legion. So um, if there are things you would like us to cover more of or something you really like, or you just want to say hi, uh, please message your page. It would be great. But I think uh, I think that is time to say goodnight. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you are playing the games that we love, I hope your beverages stay cold. I hope your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, I hope that you have fun. Good night. <laughs>